Hello there, and welcome to Null Pointers with your hosts, Mark and Stephen. And today we'll be talking about all the goodness that has become out of .NET.com from the view of mobile development. But as it is tradition on this show, Stephen, before we get to this super cool new topic, um, I've been reading in the news lately that there is this thing, Windows 11. I know you're on a Mac, so I don't know if you have even bothered trying out Windows 11. I have played around with it or worked with it on my Windows machine, and I, and I like the redesign that they did. So you've got now the soft, rounded corners on all your windows Ooh. yeah yeah i know i know how i can lure you to windows land there Stephen. yeah but it now since since uh apple is now going down the apple silicon route which means they are only still putting arm-based processors in all of their laptops you would think that at some point you can install windows 11 on your on your mac but it seems that's not possible because i have read an article on the verge that microsoft has made some secret deal with a major chip vendor Qualcomm, which produces ARM processors, that they will only allow to uh, have Windows 11 installed on their ARM processors. So as of now, you can install Windows 10 on your M1 by using Parallels, a virtualization software. But yeah, no Windows 11. That's uh, interesting and sad because I really like Hmm. the new look and feel. Well, I, I have one Windows machine that I don't dare upgrade, basically. Okay. It's, I don't want to, I don't know. It's not that new of a machine, and I'm not even sure if it can handle the, the new bits, but I just, yeah, I hardly ever use it, but I also don't quite feel like messing it up for the few situations that I need it. You should check out VM, Steve. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm, yeah, so I could. I could you check them out. You could, no, but I'm just saying... Um, the, it's, it is true. I mean, you said it. I mean, if your device is a, is a bit of an older generation device, uh, maybe it's got some a few years on its CPU, uh, chances are that you will not be able to actually install Windows 11. And the reason is not because the chip might not be fast enough or the performance might be lagging when you install Windows 11, but a lot of times it's like a security concern because these days, hackers, since uh, the operating systems have become so... I don't know, hardened is probably the word against attacks. Uh, The attack stage has now become earlier. So you try to be the first one booting up from the core. So whoever does that. There have been newer chips have got um, preventive measures for that so that the attackers, they can't install their malware into the bootloaders and stuff. But uh, older chips don't have that. And I think that's like one of the reasons why Windows 11 is not installable on all devices, even though they would have the performance to totally hmm. rock that beautiful new rounded corner UI. Well, the one, one um, I guess, soothing aspect of this whole situation, I went to a conference Ooh. just last week, uh, or Saturday, actually, by the time we're recording this, and Gerald was presenting, and he was presenting from a Windows 11 machine. So... I did get to see some of the goodness that was related to it, but yeah, didn't make me want to go. I am now going to start a VM and install it. But yet, 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 yeah, yet, yet, yet. But yet, moving along, indeed. moving along. Conferences, great buzzword. Um, there has Ooh. been this major conference going on in the .NET space, which is especially exciting for us developers, uh, which we always get in autumn around November time frame. 
ASD.NET conference, and a lot of talks are given there by various community members, but also from the Microsoft development teams. And there's always some goodies coming along, ready to help us pass the time while we are under the Christmas tree soonish. So yeah. <laughs> I, I love programming under the Christmas tree. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Oh, it's man. The kids running around you, the cats playing with the Christmas decoration. It could, Legos it could get strewn across the floor. Yeah, like a minefield. So nice. Yes. Yeah. Please apart, give me more of this. <laughs> but apart from minefields, uh, I think one of the biggest announcements is .NET 6, uh, which is, again, a long-term long supported version of .NET has been released. And it's packed with a lot of performance-improving things. Uh, so Ooh. literally, if you if you were using .NET Core 3.1, chances are you can probably just go into your CS project file, uh, update the .NET Core 3.1 or .NET 3.1 thing to .NET 6.0, and your app will just be running faster without you doing anything. So you can finally move that improved performance task you have been having on your Azure DevOps board to to the right or your GitHub hmm. board to the right because you're done. That's it. Chira? What? I, I, I can't. I, I think we have to cut that one. Okay. Anyhow, and another big thing, uh, Stephen, is it finally runs on ARM chips, isn't that? Ooh, it runs on ARM chips. Well, that's nice, but I don't have an ARM MacBook yet. I, as you may have may have mentioned a few times before in this podcast, I went with the good old, old school non-ARM chip when I got this one. But, but to be fair, Steve, I mean, up to this point, this has been like the vice decision because .NET didn't really support ARM development right up to now. So, I mean, oh, it was always a bit of a hassle, but I mean, now you can compile yep. .NET on your computer. Yeah, so I guess I will have to drop my laptop now. Yeah, buy a new one. I mean, they're so cheap, the new MacBook Pros. Yeah, yeah, I mean... A bargain. Easy. Easy, yeah. It's uh, for people that have it. Obviously, that's uh, that's great news. Um, there's, there's, it's been a while, but now it's finally here. Well, I guess with with that, what we also get is um, uh, the, you can see a lot of more of the dev tooling is now also shifting towards the ARM-based development tool world. Uh, I know Rider is releasing at the end of November. They will be releasing an update for their ID, so it will then be natively supported on the M1. Uh, VS Code has been natively supported for quite some time. And uh, yeah, now you don't, you no longer have to emulate uh, the .NET runtime. So that will also be running smoother and faster. And also if you, I mean, ARM-based servers are a thing. So you can now also do all those shenanigans with your, with your .NET code. I think it's, I think it's quite cool. But yeah, the other thing that, that I noticed, I mean, with .NET 6, we got minimal APIs and we also got these uh, changes in, in C sharp. And when I opened up a, when I made file new on the command line, .NET new console application, I opened it up in my default editor and everything just was red because uh, there's, there's these beautiful new things called the minimal APIs. And if your ID does not yet know how to use them with the global using support and stuff like that, it, it can be interesting. Yeah, I've, uh, I've seen those minimal APIs. It's, it's confusing for an old man like me, but it's uh it's definitely a, a new way of, of building your your api thingies um basically you're just using all sorts of lambda magic and and some extension methods uh chaining things together you're you're building out an old api endpoint that's that's magical 
It is magical. But I also think like if you are new to programming, this is a super cool way because I can I can show someone, hey, this is how you uh, create a console application or even, hey, this is how you would create your web application. You know, like, hey, this is how you define the routes and all that thing. But I don't have to explain you yet, hey, and this is the basic concept of a class. And hey, this is your application main. And everything always starts in the main. I can just like get right to the web development part. And I think for, for people that are just getting started, this is a lot less confusing. I know there is some yeah hubbub in the community. Is this really worth it? I, I don't like this new stuff. You don't have to use it. You can still use the old style. And I think if you're creating large applications like for professional or enterprise use, probably you will want to move away from the minimal API at some point because you will just have a lot of classes. You'll have a lot of controllers that are going on and and and. And then to keep sanity, uh, you probably will split that up into multiple files anyway. But for getting started, I, I like this approach. It's uh, it's grown on me. Yeah, it, it's like you said, it's it's easier to just explain this than explaining all the the old bits that we used to do with abstracting things away into it's it's easier to get started that's definitely true it's easy to get started and i, I mentioned before the red squigglies in my ide on the mac i mean for windows we have gotten an entire new version of visual studio so 2022 uh, has been released and with that we get all the support for all the new goodnesses so we get dotnet 6 support c sharp 10 a bunch of new templates are in there and I heard, I've heard a mixed feeling from now. Some in the community seem to still have some issues with it. So, I mean, it's, it's new and new bits. They, they sometimes, That's what happens. Yeah, they sat at the beginning. But uh, I I also, it's 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 got a fresh look and feel. Uh, it's, it looks a bit different. They might have uh, ramped this up because they also knew that Windows 11 is around the corner. And uh, yeah, it looks, it looks really nice. I, I think the main feature is it's got 64-bit support. So you can open up, I don't know, a million projects if you've got that. And it will still work. Um, I don't know about the million. Yeah. It might be a bit lower. It might be high. I don't. I, I I don't use so many projects, just to be honest. But another really cool feature, which is in there, is hot reload. Ooh, yeah, that's. Uh, you mean the, the code one? So that's a good point, Stephen. So we actually get two hot reloads. So we get one hot reload, Ooh. which is in Visual Studio Code. And the cool one about that is we can we can use that on any platform. So Visual Studio Code is it runs on Windows, it runs on Mac OS, and it even runs on Linux. So whatever, Mental. yeah, whatever your favorite uh, platform is for development, you you choose. You develop uh, .NET Code, and you get a uh, in the .NET CLI, you get that hot reload feature, so it will reparse your code. But uh, if you are someone like me who really likes to have some support of the IDE, or I, I, I'm not saying Visual Studio Code does not you any support but i just have i've grown old and i have grown accustomed to using the visual studio the good old flesh one the one that i can start up get some coffee and then uh, <laughs> start cracking some code so so on that one and uh, they have also integrated hot reload into visual studio so now when i'm developing my xarin forms app or my maui preview apps i can uh, use hot reload so whenever i now make a change in my code in the view model it will Without having me to press stop and then restart again, I will get that code change. And it's so cool. And I mean, the only thing that I'm missing out here is that this feature has not yet landed in Visual Studio for Mac. But I mean, how many times have I lost, I don't know how many minutes, hours probably at this point in my life, having to do one a one-line change 
pressing stop, starting it again, and then checking it out. And then, yeah, maybe even have to then made a typo or something. So it, does, it doesn't really invoke the right thing. So yeah, that, that so problem is solved. Maybe it's just me, but have you also have had those moments where you thought, ah, oh, yeah, I forgot this little thing right here. Let me quickly change that and then it'll run just fine. And that just repeats itself like 10 times before it actually runs just fine. Yeah, yeah, but see, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I, would, I yes. would be lying at this point if I were going, no, Stephen, I've got no idea what you're talking about. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what is the, this? The, it's always the simple changes that will bring the entire production server down. Um, yes. uh, so, but now so, you can quickly fix it. Yeah, now you can quickly fix it. No, I think you, you're right there. I mean, of course, it's you, you still have to know what you're doing. And uh, there are also some limitations around hot reload. So certain changes will still... Uh, require a total restart of the application. But there are, in my experience, uh, once you've got the application a bit built out and you then want to add an additional check or something like that, you can now go into that method, you can you can make the changes and it will work. And there are like some some areas like when you add new methods to a class or, or yeah, certain things around that that are just like quite hard to then hot reload. And so that will then, the team will then just like say, okay, uh, you will have to recompile from the start. And I think that's okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they will be improving this feature come the time and see what other major use cases and, and how you can save more time. But I mean, this is, for me, a true time saver because since ever uh, Hot Reload has been out for XAML, so for your UI Hot Reload, uh, I've been just so much more productive laying out, um, just doing the layouts and stuff like that while the app is running. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to using this feature uh, more down the road like you said it's it's kind of lacking on vs mac for now yeah for now. but one day i will uh, i will experience this goodness with you yeah that's just how that goes um so obviously we are we are maui people everyone mm-hmm. knows that right surfing the waves surfing the waves and the the talk that i went to uh or the the conference that i went to i must say um gerald was also oracling as he does about maui um so yeah there's there's a lot of cool stuff that uh, that happened around that one of which is that we are at preview 10 already i i i must admit i faintly recall six being the last time i consciously was around for i guess but it's so gone so far it's gone so fast it's absolutely insane it's bonkers um, we're at number 10 already jeez I'm looking forward to number 11 already. Uh, <laughs> no, but next month. Next month. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, at the Donet conference. So, I mean, I, I wasn't there when Gerald made his presentation, but I was there when Maddie Montequila. Montequila? Yes. I'm sure I, I'm sure I butchered that name. Sorry, Leger Montequila. Yeah. Uh, she she presented Maui uh, on stage at the Donet conference, and she showed off some of the cool new highlights that we have. And there are some features coming along with, with Maui. Uh, the handlers versus the renderers that are like, I think, from a dev side, a huge improvement. But uh, what she showed off a lot was also like the dev tooling around Maui, which has been greatly improved. So now we get a single solution. So before we always had, a, for each platform, we had a CS project. And now you have uh, like one of those uh, CS projects. And then you have subfolders for each of the platforms that you want to go in. And which this, what this means is uh, sharing images has become a lot easier. We also get the hot reload experience. And UWP is with the 
uh, Preview 10. It's now also supported in the single solution project before it was still a bit of the outside world. And yeah, it's it's so cool. It, I I just think it's I love I love playing around with it. It'll uh, the single project will definitely make managing all of your files and things a lot easier. Just one location to go and find your stuff instead of wondering where you put that thing again. That's, yep. Um, yeah. And I mean, just like you can now, so if you've got images that you want to have all over the app, um, you can now just add in an SVG and it will slice and dice the thing for you. And you can then use that image in your app. And I know like before you you had to uh, upload usually that file to, to some website, which would then give you like the 1x, 2x, 3x resolutions. Then you had to hang them into your Xcode asset file. And it was just... It was just a task you always like to give to the new junior on the team because it was just so dreadful. I, I never did that. Maybe once. Uh-huh. Life has been improving it in has. that fashion. It has. So, and even that that whole Maui preview thing, um, as, as I mentioned a few times already, Gerald showed us just how you can get that because he's just cool like that. So it's it's really simple, right? I mean, it's just a... Uh, a checkbox somewhere in the installer. Um, and right now you just tick the mobile development box and then all the way on the right side, there's a Maui preview checkbox that you need to tick. So it's basically two checkboxes and you should be good to go. Yeah, they so no more Maui check that you have to perform on Windows. It's it's right there in the installer. So it's coming along, it's coming along. And I can I can barely wait until we're in Q2 uh, 2022 and it's, and it's been finally released and shipping. Speaking about version ten, C sharp ten has been released. I'm still I'm still shocked every time I see that C sharp has now got ten versions out there, and that uh, there have been quite a few cool things, in my opinion, that have uh, have come along. And I think one of the one of the maybe more controversial ones is again along the minimal API. It's like the file scope namespaces, so you you don't anymore have to have braces. So just write your namespace semicolon. And then you can start writing your class. So you you like lose one indentation level, or you win an mm-hmm. indentation level back, however you want to see it. But yeah, uh, what's your take on this, Steve? Well, it's it's the old people take, obviously, Mark. Um, <laughs> Where are my braces? Bring back the Where braces. braces. Where's my indentation? Nah, I I can see why um why it's done. I mean, it it helps clean up a bit of clutter. Um and and. Overall, it's just, in my case, it's a matter of, I've been used to this for 15 years. It's different. <laughs> uh, it's different. It's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily better. Um, you do you. That, that's my take. You do you. I, I, I'll, I'll just be honest. I, I didn't see it the first time. I like opened up that, I had like that experience where I made file new project and I did it on the command line and I opened it up in my uh writer which does not yet support .NET 6 and c sharp 10 and i just got red squiggly so i was like looking at the screen i don't know for how many minutes until i was like ah no more braces <laughs> i have to add the braces to make the id happy again i think it's cool because it just gets away with some noise which you don't really need but uh there, there have been other improvements along the way i mean one is a uh, uh, so they introduced C sharp in C sharp nine. They introduced records, and with records, what you get is you get uh, immutable classes, so to speak. So when you set the properties, you can no longer edit them, and they were classes. And now you can get the same functionality also as structs. And what that usually means is it's just the allocation is a different space. So structs are usually allocated on the stack, 
and uh, classes are on the heap. So they they tend to be a bit more efficient when you do a lot of processing. And that's I think that's um, something cool. Uh, so so we get this uh, this improvement also for read only type for read only um, objects uh, so to speak on the stack. What I really like about records is in general you also get a, a better type comparison. So usually when you just use a plain old uh, C# object, uh, when you say hey does this equals to the other object, what it will do is mm-hmm. it will compare the two address spaces where it points to if they are the same. And with structs you. Uh, with records, you now always get this. They, they always compare the, the fields by default uh, that you have in there, which I think is often what you want to do. And another thing is, like, if you want to modify something, so if uh, Stephen changes his first name, uh, you can go uh, person object Stephen, and then you can just, uh, with a simple uh, argument, you can then say uh, assign a new name, Steve O, and uh, then you will get a copy of these records set with the new first name, Stevo, and then you can can use that. Uh, and that's like really easy because there's no in classes there's no easy way how you can make these copies of objects uh, really work. And uh, Steve, I know you always say you're a bit of the old school programmer, so I'm sure you will be happy about the next one: improved string performance. So when Ooh. you, I mean, strings have been immutable since C Sharp one. So if you change a string, you will always get a copy of a. You will always get a new string back. You won't change, mutate the status for the original one. And with that, there is always some performance overhead. So if you do a lot of string manipulation, uh, it was then said, "Hey, please use the string builder because uh, the string builder is is mutable, and then you can generate your string at the end of it." And what they now also did with C Sharp Ten is they improved the performance of strings. So if you your everyday string handling, slicing, and dicing. By using C Sharp Ten, we'll just get a a nice performance increment. Isn't that isn't right. that something that you're looking forward to as an old school C Sharp oh, developer? Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, as far as I know, they they do that somewhere in the in the compiler, right? Where they optimize whatever code it, it pops out for you. Yeah, exactly. And they also made. I mean, th- that's like one change that they did with the entire string handling. Uh, which they, they actually even highlighted in a session that they did when they uh, demoed C Sharp 10 and all the new greatness. And I mean, that was um, one of the things they showed. And another thing that they showed is with all this minimal API support is a smarter compiler. Smarter even. Is, yeah. is it AI-based? I don't think is that's so. That's why it's smarter? Probably not yet. Aww. But it could come along. I mean, who knows? Maybe one day AI will translate. Yeah, that way. Yeah. I don't, that's why I don't build any compilers, you know, just saying. <laughs> uh, probably not fast enough. No, but no. So, so they can, um, so if you, one, one of the things uh, if you've ever done F-sharp is F-sharp has got a better type inference. So what that means is, uh, think about it, when you when you develop C-sharp, you can use var, and var will then at compile time figure out, hey, this is not var, this is int, and then it will mm-hmm. set that type at compile time. And with this improved and smarter uh, compiler, uh, what you now get in C Sharp is uh, there are like some lambda expressions where it's quite hard for the compiler to figure out what are the arguments that you have to pass in. And languages such as F Sharp have got a improved um, type uh, inference in the in the compiler, and what that allows them is to actually uh, say they don't have to in C Sharp you don't always have to say hey this parameter is an int or this parameter is a string, but the compiler can infer that. Uh, by 
looking down along uh, what you're doing. Sometimes you still have to do it. And pretty much, so I like to think of it, pretty much the same features have now been, or similar features that probably we'll have to say have been applied now to C Sharp 10, where now when you write the Lambda, you have to do less uh, type specification, which just again cleans up the language. So it's less clutter. Uh, sometimes it's generics that you have to set now less uh, and all that stuff. Which I, which I again think is just, uh, it makes stuff more readable because you can make these demos where you highlight F sharp and just by letting away all the types, it just becomes a lot easier to read. And when you then see the same code in C sharp with all the generics and the inputs and outputs and all that stuff, it's just like, oh my God, what is this doing? It could take over the world. It could just be parsing hello world and printing it to the console. I don't know. It's just so much code on the screen. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why I like this feature. Yeah. Yeah, what I what I actually like uh, to to tie into that is Blazor, because I've mm. I've gone to a, a a Blazor introductory talk on on the conference I mentioned before, and I I've known it's been around and I've I've seen it that's in action. That's, that's not bad to know. You know that. <laughs> that's good. Um, so I I sort of know what it was and what it did, but I never really tinkered with it. Um, so that that little introductory thing of how does this actually work and how do you do it and it uh, it really made me go hmm, maybe my next MVC web app thing should be Blazor yeah. instead. It's a it it's a pretty cool thing actually. It is. Uh, I've I've been playing around with Blazor. I haven't yet done any real projects with it, but it's definitely there that I would consider doing it if I would uh, be the authority to choose the front-end web technology in a project. I probably, pro right now, would opt for Blazor because there's some really cool modes that you can have in it. So there's always like this server-side mode where you just uh, have some HTML and some JavaScript at the front-end and it updates with SignalR. Which is for a lot of scenarios, this is actually quite cool because you mentioned before like the classical ASP.NET MVC route. And there, if you just got like uh, a form that is over some database, it's okay. You can pre you can even have make a refresh button to load the data new. But as soon as you like want to push something from the server, you would then have to write some JavaScript for that. And it was always like a bit mm. and with 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 Blazor, I mean, that problem is just solved. I mean, you got data bindings. So as soon as something updates, it's pushed automatically to the client. And that is really sweet. But the latest release has not been about the server side. It has been about the client side. So client side uses WebAssembly. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure you saw that in the introductory yes. talk, Stephen. Wasm for the win. Wasm for the win. And one problem was always... Uh, you could you could run it in interpreted mode, so it was actually not compiled. But now the compiled mode has become a lot better. Yeah. So what I heard was that they shrunk the runtime quite a lot, actually, to three hundred something kilobytes. Um, and they they did well. I I've known the process as linking up until now, but I've learned something new as well this weekend. It was called tree shaking in in the talk. Mm -hmm. um, which is a, a new term, I guess, for the same thing, or maybe it's just new to me. That might as well be the case. But I've I've always thought it was linking, which is essentially stripping away all the the binaries that you don't need or aren't referencing anywhere. Um, so yeah, that that shrinks down whatever it needs to pull down um, quite significantly. Yeah, and I mean, when when you think about it, if you are able to 
shrink down the basic runtime for, for a simple Blazor application to somewhere at 300 something kilobytes, as if I may quote you on that. Uh, you're, you're right there in the park with the popular uh, single page application JavaScript uh, runtimes. I mean, that that's that's something really cool because this means uh, you will also get a, a faster initial download speed, which right now is still like one of the big uh, negative points, if you want to say, from WASM-based applications because the, you always have to download the runtime. It will then be cached in the server, so you should then be quicker uh, on repetitive calls. But if you're on a mobile phone and you just want a quick loading site, uh, Wasm right now is is probably not your ideal choice, but then again, I mean, a JavaScript heavy website probably will also not be your ideal choice there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is really cool that they were able to shrink it down so so much by linking and shaking it, and yeah, that's that's really something to look forward to. And they also have now enabled hot reload um, on on Blazor. So the next time you're creating your website, Stephen. Heart reload is there to the rescue, and as you mentioned it before, it actually even works like in, in I think even in Visual Studio Code. So okay. I I would imagine that that should be possible. I haven't tried it out yet, but um, you you can I mean hot reload since it's now also in Visual Studio Code. I mean yeah, I think that's that's something really cool uh, because a lot of web developers that I know they really like Visual Studio Code because it's just say so lightweight. I get so good debugging support and everything, and yeah. So I mean. Blazor is Blazor is there. I think it's still going strong, and th- there is there are some other really cool parts about Blazor. So Blazor is also like very extensible. So uh, I think Steve Sanderson he showed a demo how he uh, made Blazor and Flutter work together. So he rendered a Blazor website in like based on Flutter the Flutter runtime, which is a uh, cool, I guess. Wow. Yeah, you're you're kind of cursing in church, but yeah, I think he called it Blutter. I mean, we, we you, the, I, I just there might be some improving on the naming there. Just, but yeah, like, yeah, it sounds a bit gross. Yeah, but uh, yeah, other other than that, I mean, Blazor was also like there. There's a supported um, template in Visual Studio 2022, the preview one, or I don't know. Uh, yeah, anyhow, Visual Studio 2022, maybe in preview, uh, where you can create an app. Which uh, then runs uh, Blazor in a webview, and that's that. You get that out of the box. I think we've mentioned that before on the show, but uh, that, in my opinion, opens up a lot of possibilities, and in Stephen's opinion, gives a lot of eye roll. And you will see in the future why I have rolled my eyes. Is what Stephen then usually tells me at that point. Nah, no, I'm not like that. <laughs> I think <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Who I knows? think it's just have been burnt in the past. You know, like. Mixing two technology stacks together, having someone telling you, can't you move this button three pixels to the left? And then you have to do that all in CSS. I, I, I see and feel your pain there, Stephen. I just, I just can see where this can go downwards really fast. Yeah, let's, uh, let's not mix and match too many things. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll, just, uh, I'll just have to burn my fingers once again doing that because I just think it's really cool. So there, in there. the interest of coolness, then go ahead. And on that coolness, we shall wrap up this episode on .NET Conf and all the new shiny bits that have been presented to us. We have been your hosts, Mark Halibone and Stephen Davison. And let us know, have we missed any really cool announcement that was showed at .NET Conf or which you might have seen since .NET 6 has been released? Let us know on Twitter at nullpoints.io. Our DMs are open. 
Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe. And until next week, on our practice.